I am sitting here in my fingerless gloves and a woolly hat and a scarf. I can, yeah, picture that. Nice, nice image. It is, yeah. It's a little bit like Compo from Last of the Summer Wine. Yeah, except you're not travelling down a hill at 50 miles an hour on a shopping trolley or something. I used to hate that programme. I hated it too. It's awful. Yeah. It was just, I just didn't get it. I just, well, it was also, you know, I wasn't really interested in the subject matter and, you know, yeah, it was just dead northern as well. Oh, I didn't mind the northern thing so much, apart from the fact that it just wasn't funny. Yeah, no, well, that that's the main thing, yeah. And it was always on, on like seven o'clock on a Sunday evening after Songs of Praise. Yeah. And I think people, I think this is why they put it on then, because people had sort of just drifted off. Really? They nodded off <laughs> during Songs of Praise. And you can't have something on directly after Songs of Praise that is, like, really loud and boisterous and noisy. Because what if somebody is falling asleep and then they're woken up by the loud, noisy, boisterous program? Mm. You want something which is just, like, nothing so that they can just wake up really gradually. <laughs> I think that's it, without too much... Because, you know, I think the people that watch Songs of Praise and Last of Summer Wine, you know, they're of a certain vintage, aren't they? Yeah, I would imagine so, yeah. I I guess. So you don't want to shock them? No, no. I do like Antiques Roadshow, though. I like a bit of Antiques Roadshow. You cannot beat it. No. Although it's weird now, because it's on on later, isn't it? I always used to think it was an afternoon-y thing. Um, you know, early evening, and now it's on later, which is always fr- throws me. Are you not thinking of bargain hunt? <laughs> no, listen, flog it, bargain hunt, cash in the attic, uh, dancing in your attic with cash, just whatever. All those. You um, watch you know, them all. Yeah, oh yeah, you know, let's fill a bit of time occasionally if I'm sat on the sofa. Yeah. But let's not talk about that because it's actually pretty dull. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this being a topical news podcast, yes. although it's not as good as something on the BBC, <laughs> where do you stand on do they know it's Christmas, Brendan? I, I, I think it was of... Well, I read, I read a great article, actually, um, earlier in the week that was... Uh, it was written from the point of view of, you know, uh, the pop stars could just... It was all about we the people should be glad that they, the pop stars, have given their time for free. And rather than them giving money, they give their time and then we have to give our money. Um, and it was, an, it was an interesting take on it uh, that, you know, they could have just donated the money themselves. And, you know, but I, I, I also think, you know, Band-Aid was of a time and I, I don't think it's the same now. And also Ebola, it's kind of a, a strange one. Um, and, and DEC have already been, I think they've raised already 20 million. So I'm not sure why it was being done when, um, you know, there, there are other fund, it's already being funded. Uh, there's other money raising opportunities, but uh, yeah. I, and also, you know, it's just a, it's a huge PR thing for, let's not, let's not forget that, you know, the record sales go up. But anyway, so I'm not really a, once I'm a big fan. But, uh, you know, how do you feel about it? The opposite. Uh, no, I, no, I, I don't mind it. I mean, you know, I stumped out a dollar ninety nine or whatever it was on iTunes just because, you know, I thought I should. But 
I did see people that were saying, oh, well, they should have just given some money and, mm. you know, and sort of chartering a private jet to turn up at a recording studio. Yeah. You know, and, you know, maybe they should. But if they had it done, they wouldn't have raised however many million in the first. What did they do? Was it 10 million or something during the X Factor final or semi final or whatever atrocious thing that they launched it on? Yeah, th- yeah. Pro- probably the X Factor, I would guess. That wasn't. You know, that wouldn't have happened if it hadn't have been for, for that. So, no, I'm, I'm kind of all in favour, really. Um, yeah. I know why that they do new versions with, like, chart toppers from the hit parade of today. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because the kids don't know who the, who the hell, you know, Band-Aid was back then. No idea yeah. why they needed to no. bring back Bono. Well, he's, he's, kind of, he's had a bad year, really, hasn't he? Did you hear the other day that... Um, Two pieces of luggage fell out of his private jet on the way to Berlin, and because the hatch fell off, and so they only realised when they landed there was a hatch missing from the luggage, and two pieces of luggage had, had ejected. He's not had a great year, really. Do you know? I thought that was leading up to a joke with a no, with no, a it's true. No, it's just that, that was true. I was expecting some kind of joke about the edge. Or... No. <laughs> no. Oh. No. No, oh, I'm actually quite disappointed that there wasn't a that there wasn't a Bono punchline in that. That was part of the topical news. Oh, okay. Wow. What I'd like because I know they they do new ones. This must be like the fourth one that they've done. But I'd quite actually like a classic old timers version. Yeah, I'd, I'd like that. <laughs> who who would be in that lineup? Brian Ferry. Well, he's still going. Is he? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. Brian Ferry would be be a good one because he was never on the original. I don't think. No, he wasn't. No, he no. wasn't. I'd have him on there, and I'd have Morrissey. Yeah, he'd be cheery. Do they know it's Maudlin Christmas? Yeah. Um, who else would be on there? Timmy Mallet. Perhaps. Oh no! Please God, no. Perhaps. Oh God, he's gone clean out of my head now. John Lydon. Yeah. He'd be a laugh. Yeah, he would. Apparently this week it was revealed that he'd spent £15,000 on apps for his iPad. (laughs) That's crazy. You can't make this stuff up. (laughs) No, that's a lot of apps. It's a lot of apps. Yeah, especially for the iPad. I've only ever bought one iPad app ever. I mean, my iPad just collects dust in the corner of the room, but, you know. I use mine, but I don't use it for apps that I've bought. I just use it for the stock apps that are on it. You know, I use it for music mm. or Safari or Mail or something. Perhaps the occasional bit of FaceTime. Yeah, I think most people just use it for, you know, the web and stuff. That's what it seems to be. Who else would be on this list? Robert Plant would have to be on there. I'm picking all the miserable people, aren't I? They're not. You... It's not going to be a cheery Christmas track. No, you are. You are. <laughs> Nick Cave. Richie Blackmore. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Lemmy. Yeah, you see, I was a very pissed off, because, you know, I've just come back from Berlin, hmm. like, a couple of weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we discovered that we couldn't go and see Motorhead last year, because we always, 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 Alex and I go and see Motorhead at some point in November when they play. And then last year, we couldn't go because they cancelled the gig because Lemmy was ill. Mm-hmm. And when they rearranged it, we weren't going to be around. So that was that. And then this year, they were playing at the Manchester Apollo, which is my favourite venue because it's the loudest venue in the world. Yeah, yeah. But they were playing the week that we were going to be in Berlin. 
and then they were bleeding well paying in Berlin the week after when we come home. Oh, bad timing, that. So I know, I was very cross. So maybe they wouldn't raise quite so much money if Lemmy was on Do They Know It's Christmas. Well, there'd only be you buying it, really. Because there'd only, there'd only be so many people who knew who the hell these people were. I'm just really sad that there wasn't a version featuring the lovely girls and boys from S Club 7. Yeah, they're back, aren't they? They yeah, are back. Yeah, yeah. Were you a fan? No, well, you know, I think you kind of... No, it's obviously not my, my generation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm way older than that. But, yeah, I, I do not think sometimes that we reinvent the past. You know, it's like they were, they were really massive. Well, no, they did okay. You know, Led Zeppelin were massive. Um, S Club 7 were not to the same extent, you know. Okay, they sold a few million records, fabulous, but they weren't like this super, and they, how can you even have a super group with, I mean, Mac, Mac Busted or whatever they're bloody called? You know, that is the definition of a super group. We've, we've raised the bar. Well, we've lowered the bar so much. My mum could be in a super group. You know, it's bloody, bloody ridiculous. You know, super groups used to be, you know, pretty amazing, but now, it's like McFly and Busted. Apparently, that's a supergroup. Was your mum in Banana Rama? <laughs> she was. She used to sing backup for Aretha Franklin. Really? Uh, no. <laughs> I am so gullible. It's about time the tables no. were turned on this she, podcast. She did used to work. She she used to be a secretary for Brian Epstein. Oh, now um, there's a yeah, to fame. That, that is true. No, they had some classics. S Club Seven, Bring It All Back, S Club Party. That one that is the disco one, Don't Stop Moving, I actually like that record. I actually like, I think that's a great pop song. We could actually cut some of these things in. We, we could. Cue Don't Stop Moving. As if by magic. Because I've been thinking about perky pop music, because maybe, 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 maybe this podcast needs a bit of theme music. Because, you know, it's going to be episode 100 in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm thinking about what maybe to do with it next year if, if we're going to carry on. Yeah. Maybe what it needs is a bit of a, a bit of a perky theme tune. Yeah, it could, could be. It'd have to be a bit edgy or something. You know, it's, it can't be a, one of these, like, you know, acoustic guitar happy things. You know, screw that. I mean, you don't want it to be, um, you know, Horrible, <laughs> depressing, but you want it to have a bit of, bit of something about it, you know, that represents you. So I don't know whether that'd be country punk fusion or something. I'm not sure. No, I'm thinking S Club Seven, me. <laughs> yeah, S Club. See, you know, and I, I like a bit of Britney occasionally. Um, and if you look at my Spotify playlist, there's all sorts of weird and stuff. Rihanna's on there. Um, yeah. I like a good pop song, mate. This is where I can drop in a medley of S Club classics. <laughs> you can. There's not, there's not that many, to be honest. It won't take long. No, not maybe not, no. Maybe I could just put Reach for the Stars on there. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe it wouldn't be S Club 7 even. Maybe, maybe a little bit of All Saints. Yeah, they were a bit, yeah. Never ever was a decent track. The beach, the one, the, that one about the beach or whatever it's called, that's not bad. And but, then um, of course they went into retail. <laughs> and 
<laughs> no, I think we were just working on the checkout at Woolies. Oh, right. Yeah. Because have you been past an All Saints recently? I think oh, they yes. bought up <laughs> every friggin' sewing machine that's ever been made. <laughs> yeah. yeah, in the window. Yeah, it's kind of the thing, isn't it? It seems to be. Yeah. Yeah, who, you know, from music to clothes. There you go. It's a brand. It is. It is. Quite like the sign. It's nice. It's nice and glittery. Lots of light bulbs. <laughs> no, it's Sparkling. funny you mentioned country music because it is actually getting very, very close to me writing my annual This Englishman's Top 5 Country Albums of 2014. Oh, is that what you do? I have done it several years now. Yeah, I write right. a, a really quite bad country music review of the year. Right. Um, but it's going to be tough this year because there's actually not been that many great albums, to be honest. Yeah, I, I don't really, I don't really know much about that genre. I, I occasionally hear the odd um, country and western tune and think, "Oh, quite like that." It's not um, country yeah. and bloody western. Okay, we have both types of music: country and western. <laughs> <laughs> From the Blues Brothers. Um, why? What is it not? Why is it not country and western? Why no, it's it? just country. Oh, just country. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think it might have been country and western in the 60s and 70s. Right, okay. Perhaps with a bit of line dancing and some tassels. See, I, I, I like Steve Earle from years ago. I used to have the odd Steve Earle album. Um, I don't know if that's country or what. No, it is country. Yeah. There's a okay. brilliant, brilliant track by a band called Sugarland called Steve Earle. Right. Where Jennifer Nettles, the singer, um, basically wants to have a relationship with him and it's just incredibly funny. Steve Earle, Steve Earle, please write a song for me. It's really, really, really funny. <laughs> and I also like that track that was the um, the theme to True Detective, and I listened to that album on your recommendation. Oh, The Handsome Family. Yeah. Is that country? Uh, I would say it's kind yeah. of strangely country, yeah. yeah. it's Yeah, I'll put a link in the show notes, but I heard about them through that True Detective soundtrack, mm-hmm. the, the theme tune, and then, yeah, their latest album is just weird did you get the one that's all about animals i i've only listened to the one that has that the true detective track on it i can't oh. remember the name of the album okay yeah their latest one is all about just animals and insects and why they'll never go on a holiday by the seashore because the guy's afraid of octopuses and it's just spaced out man <laughs> and it's all about flies right there's a whole song about flies well, you two did one called The Fly. So, you know, maybe you have to do one about flies eventually in your career at some point. Far From Any Road was the theme Yeah, that was it. Yeah. To, yeah. And then there, they had an album out. This is the one that I've got, 2003, which is uh, Singing Bones, which is really weird. And then their album from last year is called Wilderness, and there's tracks on here. Flies, frogs, eels, octopus, owls, caterpillars, glowworm... Lizard, woodpecker, girl, spider, and wildebeest. Definitely a theme there. Wildebeest. Do you remember Theophilus P. Wildebeest? Yeah, um, Lenny Henry. Yeah. Yeah, there's not actually been that many. There's been uh, good country albums this year. There was, what was it, uh, American Middle Class, Angelina Presley's pretty good. Uh, Miranda Lambert had an album out, but she's been going off. Right. Sonny Sweeney's Provoked album was quite good this year. I tell you what, I did like. There's an album called uh, Rhythm and Whiskey by Frank Foster. 
best album of the year has to be That Girl by Jennifer Nettles, the, the lady that was in um, Sugarland. Right, oh yeah. Brilliant, really, really good. Yeah. But not one of those made... The, there was a t- the Telegraph's best 33 country music albums of the year. 33. Mm-hmm. And not one of them coincides with mine. All right. <laughs> so one of us has got very poor taste. <laughs> I'm staying silent. I'm I'm, I'm, stay, I'm staying out of it. <laughs> I've got some things that I want to talk about today. You mentioned things for free earlier on. Yes. So I want to talk about that a little yeah. bit. But can we, can we just do a sponsor? Can we thank our first sponsor of the day? Absolutely. It's good to thank people. You have something to do with this as well, because our first sponsor is the Dot York Conference. Hurrah. Yeah, and I really like it when conference sponsors come back for a second year and especially like it when they want me to talk about them so far in advance. And that's what the fabulous people behind the Dot York conference want me to do. Dot York is taking place on the 9th of April, 2015. Oh, my God, 2015. It's not far away. Can you remember when you were a kid thinking, how old will I be in the year 2000? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 35 I was going to be. Uh, and that seemed like, oh, I was so old. Mm. We just can't stop counting the years eventually. So mm. it's happening at the Grand Old Opera House in York. I didn't know York had an old opera house. Uh-huh. Fits, fits in with the country theme? It really does, actually. Grand, I've been Grand for, Old Opry? I've been for a bit of a tour around the Grand Old oh, Opry, actually. Yeah. And this is a digital conference for curious minds. And for anyone involved in making things for the web, and they've got some great speakers in their lineup. They've got a designer whose past work includes Dropbox, Code Academy, and Treehouse. That's Alison House, author of Psychology for Designers, Joe Leach, award-winning digital artist, Seb Lee Delisle, who seems to be at every conference I've been to this week, actually, this, this right. month. Um, I saw him in Oslo, and then I saw him in Germany, and then I saw him somewhere else. He's everywhere. Gets um, everywhere, that guy. Anna Debenham and some fella called Brendan Dawes. Oh, yeah. I will be popping over to York. Um, they, they asked me earlier in the year and I sounded really good. So, yeah, I thought, why not? They'll all be there and more. Like all the best conferences, Dot .york is single track, so there's no getting away from you. No. Even though the ticket prices are incredibly reasonable, they're not running Dot .york for private profit. Any money that they make from events and from the conference means that they could do more to support the industry in York, which is a really good thing to do, and it's a really beautiful city. Tickets went on sale a couple of weeks ago, and they're priced at just 110 of our British pounds. Bargain. This is a great thing. Students and under-18 tickets are free, which is a really lovely thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that students and young people are going to go and support the event. And if you're not a student and you're over 18, you can still get a 10% discount off the standard price tickets if you use the offer code UNFINISHED. So go to unfinished.bz slash dot york. That's D-O-T-Y-O-R-K. And just get your tickets to next year's dot york. You know, don't wait until April. Get them now. It's going to be a good one, I think. And they're going to be hosting some workshops as well, which they've... Actually, am I supposed to talk about this this week? I can't remember. But uh, they're doing a CSS workshop, a creative JavaScript workshop, a photography uh, photo walk, and there'll be some other kind of events happening all around the conference. So it's going to be good. Yeah, sounds great. 
I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to get over there. Yeah, yeah, you should, you should do. I can't remember the last time I went to to York. It's probably a while back. How was Argentina? Argentina was uh, quick and short, but um, really interesting and so well looked after. You know what it's like. You go to these things and um, it was an event put on by uh, Wonderman, who are a big global agency. Um, and there was three speakers, of which I was one. Um, and they flew me out there. And because of my schedule, I had um, a talk already booked in on the Friday um in Amsterdam so and then I had a talk before that on the Monday Monday evening so I thought can I fit this in so uh, I managed to squeeze it in and uh so I went there and flew out very early Tuesday morning via Amsterdam and got the um I think it was about midnight pretty much on the Tuesday night their time and did the talk on uh, Wednesday and then spent, they looked after me so well. They just uh, took me around the city. Um, there's, there's, it's definitely, um, it's, it's, it's so huge. But it's Buenos Aires. It's, it's so huge. It's crazy how big it is. Um, there's, there's one, I think they've got the biggest street in any city in the world. It's seven each, each part of it is seven lanes wide. Just wow. one, one way is seven lanes. And that's in the center of the city. Uh, it's huge. Um, and then we went to, uh, Boca, which is where all the, um, if you see it on Google, you know, it's all the colored houses. It's very touristy area, area. But we were there. She was taking me around on the Wednesday afternoons. Not a lot of tourists there. And as we got out, we had a drive. She had, she had a driver like taking us around. And when we got out of the car, she said, right. She said, she, cause she's Spanish. She says, when we walk round, we won't speak because they'll hear our accents. I says, yeah, but you're Spanish. She says, yeah, but it doesn't sound like Argentinian, even though they speak Spanish. There's a, there's words sound different. She said, you know, we, we could get mugged if someone hears our accents. So we've got to, you know, we'll go round it. We'll be fine. Um, but so, yeah, so that's what happens. So there's, you've got to know where you're going. You've got to, you know, if you've got someone there who can take you around, then great. Well, if there's a lot of tourists around, then it's cool. But we, my, we were driving around for ages in the in the back of this car, and she was showing me all these various places. And uh, you know, one was like the, the main station. There's two main stations. One of them, she said, don't go around there in the day. Very dangerous. Um, and she said, now the other station, um, which most people come into. There's there's like a sort of mini favela right by the side of it that is illegally built. Um, if anything, if the ambulances have to go there, they won't go unless they've got a police presence with them. What's a favela? Uh, it's a favela, you know, like in um, in Brazil, in Rio, all those houses are built up on the side of the hill. Oh, yes. And, and they're all like, you know, they're very, very poor area. So what the, one of these, it's like a mini version, is right next to the station, like walking distance. And she said that, Often people will, they'll, they'll come over from there and they'll, they'll raid the buses. So they'll open up the hatch on, on the buses and nick everyone's luggage. <laughs> so, so the thing is, and the 40% inflation, there's three different, um, prices for the dollar. Don't bring back Argentinian pesos. You cannot change them pretty much. I've tried about 12 places now. 
Um, so yeah, there's a there's a, a big black market because it's forty percent inflation. The prices are different every week. So you know, it's a really interesting place. It's uh, you know huge, and uh, we went out for steak, of course, and meat was, was beautiful and it's fabulous. I, I really recommend it. You just got to have your wits about you, um, like any big city, you know. I've never been to South America. I'd like to go. I mean, I've always wanted to go to Chile. Mm. But then I've always had a bit of a thing for Salvador Allende. Right. Who's that? He was a president or prime minister of Chile back in the 1960s. He was the only, and is still the only, democratically elected Marxist leader. <laughs> right. <laughs> and... Subsequently, you know, his regime was overturned by uh, the CIA. Right. And, you know, that was the end of him. Yeah. But, you know, fascinating place. And, of course, it's, like, really long and skinny and just runs down the side of Argentina. I met quite a few people there who were working at the agency, and a lot of them had come over from Spain, been there a few years, absolutely love it. Uh, you know, it's just a very, you know, edgy, interesting place. I think so many places now are... So homogenous, you know, same shops and same, you know, everything's the same. And, um, but, uh, Buenos Aires is definitely, um, uh, not that. So it, it, we went to a bar one night. Uh, well, I was only really there two nights. Um, after we had the meal, we said, Oh, we'll go to this bar. And we walked in and there was like no one there. I mean, literally no one. And I was like, Oh, and it was only tiny. I thought, that's okay, you know, still have drinks with friends and with, great. And they said, oh no, and they, they pushed, they pushed the brick wall and the brick wall opened up and the bar was actually the other side and it was packed. So it's like a prohibition type oh, thing. Like a speakeasy thing. Like a speakeasy thing, which I think is, there's quite a lot of these things like in New York, you know, where you, you have to ring a phone box and all these kind of things. So there's quite a few of those in uh, Argentina as well. So yeah, so that was cool. So we just stayed there pretty much. Uh, but it was good. I went to a similar thing in Sydney once. It was a oh, whiskey yeah. bar. It was really, 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 really good. But the only way that you knew that the that there was any kind of bar there was because there was a huge fella on the door, but just like standing <laughs> in the alley. And, you know, you just walk up to him, give him 20 Australian dollars, and he'd just point you to the skip. <laughs> And you walk behind the skip and there's like a door. And you, even uh, then you can't tell that you're yeah. not going to get your throat cut. Yeah. But, you know, this is Sydney, so it's less likely than it is in Buenos Aires. But you Yeah, know. yeah. Yeah. I love places like that. It's great. And I think it's always good to, when you visit these cities, if, you, if you've got someone who lives there and can show you all the, you know, the, the cool places and the interesting places, that it's such a bonus. Otherwise, you know, you... You have to sort of wander around yourself and you, you can miss things. So, so yeah, it was, it was good. And then Amsterdam was good. I was knackered though. I have to say I got, I got to Amsterdam. I had to go straight to do this talk. And I, I saw a picture of myself actually the other day and thought, yeah, I did look like I'd just come back from a 14 hour flight. <laughs> I, I look wrecked. Um, I'm amazed that you managed to go to Argentina and leave without bringing up Maradona at least once. Yeah, well, because it was the, handball. Yeah, it was the hand of God. Um, he was mentioned once, I think, because he comes from a, a very poor area, which we we pass through, um, and he's obviously that's why he's held in in such high regard as well. Um, yeah, didn't mention the Malvinas, didn't mention Top Gear, 
didn't mention 1982 or anything around that. Um, yeah, so but I, people was just very very friendly, you know. So I yeah, it was a good experience. Good. Well, I remember that a few weeks ago, was it a few weeks ago? You were tweeting about wanting to have a wee rant about people that just expected you to give up your time for free. Yeah. So I want to talk about generosity and I want to talk about giving up time for free um, hmm. and goodwill, this thing that I'm sort of starting to call a goodwill budget when it comes to projects as well. So I thought yeah. we'd talk about that this afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sounds good. So what was your rant all about? Well, that, that was born off, um, I'm sure you get them as well, but I, I get emails occasionally where people say, um, you know, and they, it's not so of people I know or anything. Um, and they'll, they'll usually say, could we, I'm doing a startup in London or whatever. Could we meet for a coffee? Um, and, uh, so I can pick your brains. And I was so, and this is a thing that I think a lot of people experience, um, that you get these emails and people just think, yeah, I'll, I'll just go down and, and meet you. And, uh, and you, you can take all the knowledge that, I've built up over years and I'm going to give you that for nothing. And, but there's a value in that. That's what annoys me. One, one is actually takes me, you know, if an hour out of my day or, or if I'm, if, you know, it could be there's traveling there, traveling back, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's just a kind of, I just find it very cheeky. Now I did a bit of Googling about this subject because I thought like it's obviously not just me and, and I do give my time for free as as well for for things that I believe in. So we'll come back to that in a minute. But there's a great video, and we'll have to put it in the show notes. Um, And I can't remember the woman's name, but she's done an amazing video about how to handle that type of email. And what she does is there's three different strategies. I know one of them is go back straight away and say, that's great. Um, Look forward to meeting up. I charge... Um, you know, so much for having a, a meetup over coffee, you know, those kind of things, or go back and say, that's great. Is this for a, a bigger project? Um, here's my fees, blah, blah, blah. Let me know if you want to continue down that, that road sort of thing. Different ways to, um, handle it. So if it's something that, you know, is, is not something that I think, oh, yeah, that sounds ace, you know, and like the talk I did on the Monday before I went to Argentina, didn't get paid for that. It was it it was like a uh, Behance thing, and it was um and, and it was in Manchester. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's that's cool. I'll you know go and do that. Um, but sometimes when it's people who are obviously got a business need, um, they're not doing it just to meet up and say hello. They're actually going, yeah. I mean, I'm starting a business, and I want basically free consultancy. Well, those people can go and die somewhere. Because I think it just, (laughs) it's just annoying. So what I do, I would, I now go back and say, yeah, it's going to cost this much plus VAT plus travel. And that's what I do. And it gets rid of them really easily. I mean, I do stuff for free. We were in Manchester a few weeks ago and I was doing some things with uh, our friend Richard Eskins at MMU. Yeah. And there was just like a little evening event where uh, he wanted to interview Jeffrey Zellman and Jeffrey had agreed to give his time for an hour on a Skype yeah. call for the students and you know who better to 
waffle on for an hour than me, really, yeah. to, to Jeffrey. And, you know, and I enjoyed it, and I liked doing things with MMU, and I liked doing things with the students. So oh, I wasn't going to get charged. Yeah, I wasn't going to charge for that. Um, yeah. So lots of stuff like that I shall happily donate time for. I suppose the difference mm. is if it's commercial. Yeah. Um, and if there's a, if there's a sort of potentially a commercial benefit. So the thing that gets me sometimes, and I have, I've dealt with one this week actually, occasionally you get an email from somebody to say, um, you know, I saw something that you tweeted or I saw something that you wrote and I'm putting an article together. Um, and you know, could you answer a few questions? Mm. And I'm always happy to do that. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. You know, and sometimes you can, you know, you can, bash it off in five minutes over lunch and you know that's the end of that but yeah. occasionally you get like this week you get one through and it's like 10 questions and you think that's going to take me an afternoon <laughs> to write this stuff and it starts off you know and some of them start off by saying something like so can you introduce yourself and what you do and you think jesus you're supposed to be a journalist you write that shit yeah yeah <laughs> i'll tell you what my opinion is about the malvinas if you like <laughs> If that's what you, whether you're asking for it or not, <laughs> we could have asked me all kinds of stuff. But you know, uh, some of that kind of stuff annoys me a little bit. I think there's you no. Know, you've got to recognise that you know a lot of what people do it has value, and and I think there's a yeah that if someone wants to meet for coffee and it's it's something you know oh they these seem really nice or you know a student just wants to ask something then then great, but when it's like this particular person was like, yeah, was quite brazen and said, I'm, I'm making a startup and doing a startup. So i.e. not real, um, you know, um, not a real company cocking about as I like to call it. <laughs> um, you know, if I meet one more person who tells me that they're a startup, you know, it's, I'm going to just, ah, oh, annoying. But, um, you know, this person was doing it from a commercial angle and he was like, well, I'm going to charge you for my time. That's it. You know, this is what I do for a living. You know, you don't, and I'm also amazed that, you know, and people take it further though. They expect you to do work for free sometimes. And it's like, you wouldn't ask a plumber to come round and go, Oh, I can't pay you, but I'll tell you what, this will be really good for your portfolio. You know, <laughs> I'm going to tell everyone that you're, you fix my taps. You know, what a load of. <laughs> yeah, and I tr I've once tried paying in PR. Didn't bank manager didn't like it. Apparently, it doesn't pay the bills. So, why so, do you think that people feel that they can just ask? Why? Why are people so cheeky? Well, I, I, you know, I think when you, you know, we're on Twitter and and stuff like that, and then hopefully you have a kind of friendly profile. Probably not after this podcast, but um. Yeah, I get, I don't know. I think people just think they can and reach out. And you know what? I would encourage, I, you know, the, the other side of this is I encourage people to like, just ask, you know, yeah. you know, email these people. I've made a career out of emailing people on the off chance and, um, but, but never like asking them to fix things for me or could you write this piece of code for free or could you tell me how you did this for free? It's, it's never been like that. Um, so, you know, I'd, I'd encourage people to absolutely, you know, reach out as the Americans would say. But, um, I think there's a, there's got, a, you've also got to know your worth and know that a lot of the stuff that you do is actually has value and you should be charging for that. Um, because we've got to pay our bills. Um, you know, and so unless you're, you know, you're JD Salinger or someone, and then, you know, it's not, you know, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna charge people money. Did he start JD Sports? <laughs> he did. <laughs> he did. That was him. Uh, but yeah, you know. So I'm, I I I don't think I'm alone. I think other people have a different kind of view that they you know they they do lots of things for free. But if you did everything, if I did everything I was asked for free, I would be on the streets. It's as simple as that. I don't mind people asking. In fact, you know, I actually quite like getting emails where somebody says, and, and most people are usually incredibly polite and sometimes yeah. deferential, which is quite yeah. odd. And they'll say nice things. You know, they'll say, oh, you know, liked your book that I bought 10 years ago. Yeah. And, you know, oh, and by the way, and sometimes it's a silly request. I had one a couple of weeks ago where this lady said, well, can you tell me what font you used on the website? And it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll check in the web inspector. Just, you know. Yeah. So you don't have to. Um, yeah. But, you know, you reply to things and you're friendly, and I don't mind that at all. Um, people don't ask me as much as as they used to because, you know, I'm not the smartest knife in the drawer when it comes to a lot of stuff anymore. The stuff that they could probably have learnt from was 10 years ago. I think I'm in the same boat, yeah. I don't get as much of that kind of thing as I used to, but I, I do actually quite like it. It's nice to feel wanted sometimes. Yeah, no, you know, things like, you know, I, I regularly reply to, like, what was that? You know, tight, tight face questions and stuff like that. And yeah, I love all that. I mean, that's not really what I'm talking about. It's, I'm talking about the people who think they can just, yeah, let's meet for coffee and, uh, I'm going to pick your brains for an hour, you know, and oh, you bought me a coffee. Whoop de doo. You know, you've just paid me three pound an hour. It's like not going to happen. So <laughs> anyway. That's my rant. No, I can't remember which company it was now, but I did have one several months ago where they wanted a Skype call to talk about some user thing or whatever it was that I'd suggested or I'd been rambling about on Twitter. And uh, naively I thought, oh, this might lead to a bit of work. Um, What it actually turned out to be was me telling them what was wrong with their website for half an hour that I never heard (laughs) from them again. Yeah, I think you've got to you've got to make judgments, haven't you? That's the only way you can do it. It's like, okay, is this a real opportunity, or what? What's the value I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of this? Maybe it's not monetary, but is there another type of value? And and also, I'm amazed that you know connections that I've made have have, have indirectly led to to work and being paid and stuff. Uh, because I knew this guy, knew this guy, knew this guy. And so you don't know where those connections are going to lead. I mean, you, you just basically, you don't want to be an arsehole. Absolutely no. not. But, you know, sometimes it, it does get my goat sometimes when people are like, what, well, why can't we meet, meet up? You know, it's like, <laughs> we're not, not going to happen. What people call in business, they call it like an opportunity cost, don't they? And, you know, I, I think I've always believed that the more you put out, the more you get back ultimately. That's why I'm still sat here. Yeah. Occasionally, I think people take it too far and they kind of, I don't know whether it's a necessarily a deliberate thing or whether people just don't know that there are limits, but you know, sometimes people do, they take the whole goodwill thing too far. Yeah. You know, the other problem is also just thinking about it. There's, there's a culture of free now, largely because of, um, apps, you know, uh, people, they can get great apps for free. So it's kind of devalued the role of design in many ways. It's that, well, I can get this one for free and, uh, and you know, what, I'm not paying you for that app or service. So why should I pay you for anything else? So I think, I don't think that's helped. That's, which is why I, I don't do free apps anymore. 
you know, if you if you're trying to build a network or a service, then your app is is I'm sure free, and you get uh, and then you you sell for billions of dollars or whatever. But um, that's never going to happen to me um, because I don't I don't do those kind of things. So I'm going to charge for you know, and it, and by the way, the revenue those brings in it's it's it probably brought me a I probably could afford a great sandwich today. Probably buys a sandwich a day, those things. Well, we should actually <laughs> talk about that another time on this supposedly business-related podcast. Revenue from apps and yeah. things like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's. I think it's uh, something that probably needs discussing. I'm sure many people have discussed it before. But, uh, yeah, those, 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 the apps that I make aren't, aren't for monetary gain anyway. Um, but, you know, I, I, the way I... The way I think about it is that, listen, you're going to get moaned at anyway, so you might as well get paid to, pay to get moaned at. <laughs> so I think, yeah, I can get moaned at for free, or I can get moaned at and people pay me to moan at me. So I'm choosing the latter one. What kind of sandwich was it? <laughs> I think it, at least it, it was, you know, a, a sort of Marks and Spencer sandwich. It, it wasn't oldie. So was it roast th- beef and horseradish? Yeah, it was something like that. Or it may have been the uh, triple selection, you know, where it's one's prawn, one's ham and one's beef. No, I can never get used to those. It's like you don't get enough of anything then. Well, they're kind of the now that's what I call music of sandwiches, aren't they? You're, they getting, are... you're getting the best of both worlds. It's like the box set, sandwich box set. They're the sandwich variety pack. <laughs> they are. Yeah, and I we're, used to we're love get... a Kellogg's variety pack when I was a kid, but I never ate Cocoa Pops. That was the thing with variety pack. You know what? There's probably a great Kickstarter idea here. Variety packs where you can order them online, but you can choose what's in the variety pack so you don't get the wasted one. Because there's always one. For me, it was... Did you say Cocoa Pops? Yeah, yeah. mine was Cocoa Pops. Never ate that one. And I think there was like a... Oh, Bran Flakes. Yeah, Bran Flakes or something Who like that. Who wants those? Well, Exactly. So, you know, there probably should be an online version now where you can... It's kind of like that. What's that thing where you get nuts delivered to your door? Like the Grey's boxes? Grey's, that's it. Should be one like that for cereal. Have you got a pair of walking boots? No, I don't... No, I went, when I once went um, on a gorge walking thing for um, where I used to work, do these, like, bonding days... Um, I mean, falling into a gorge really helped me uh, build better websites. So that was really great, that was. Um, but uh, when when I actually was going on this gorge walking trip, I said to them, I don't own any outdoor clothing whatsoever. Apart from, like, you know, normal shoes, um, I don't have anything for, like, being in a field. So I had to go out and buy all this gear, like <laughs> gorge walking shoes. and You get you know, special shoes for gorge walking. Well, when I went into the shop, I said, I want some shoes that are waterproof. He says, you don't want waterproof shoes if you go and gorge walking. He says, what will happen is the water, you can't stop the water getting in. It's impossible. So you need uh, boots or shoes that actually let the water out. And so he gave me these, uh, bought these shoes, I think about 90 quid, these trainers. And they were, they looked like normal trainers, but a bit more fancy. And they were specifically for gorge walking type activities. They were amazing. They were, everyone else had like really damp feet and my feet were wet, but they dried very quickly. They're brilliant. Wouldn't a pair of crocs just do exactly the same job? 
bit slippy though. Uh, I suppose so. No, you know, with walking boots, right? You've mm. got your pair of walking boots and you go out for a day walking in the mud. Yeah. And then you put your boots in the porch mm. and then the mud just cakes on the sole. And you'd think that by the time they've dried out, maybe the following day, you know, you'll knock them against the outside wall and clean them up. You never do that, do you? You never do that. They're always caked in mud, these walking boots. Yeah. And then bits fall off, like dried mud falls off the bottom of these walking boots, right? Yeah. That's bran flakes. <laughs> That's how they make them. <laughs> it's how they do. Which is why nobody ever eats them in the variety pack. Yeah, because it's actually mud from shoes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Well, I actually have all bran now for breakfast. Which is, you know, not brand flakes, but anyway, why do people want to know this? What a fascinating no podcast this is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's total let's, um, but anyway, yeah, let's move on. Let me thank our second sponsor, which is Espresso. And Espresso is the editor that I've used to write code every day for about as long as I can remember. And I've used it so much so often that I just can't imagine using anything else to write my HTML and CSS. And Espresso has got all the tools that I need to make writing and editing code simple and efficient. So I still write a fair bit of CSS, as you might imagine. And Espresso's got MacRabbit's award-winning CSS edit tools built right in. It's got something called Code Sense, Code Folding, Smart Snippets, Drag and Drop Navigator. All these things will help you write better code in less time. And I find myself using Espresso's project-wide find and replace quite a lot, especially when I'm moving from designing code into production code. Mm-hmm. And it's got some quick filtering and some color highlighting to make searching the contents of files quick and easy too. It's a lovely product. Everybody's workflow is different, of course, and Espresso includes a really nice flexible workspace that could fit into yours. And then when you're ready to see how your work's going to look into a browser, Espresso's got a fantastic web preview so that you can see how the HTML and the CSS you're writing affects the pages that you're building. And then when you're ready, sync, publish your work to a web server with Espresso's built-in tools. You know, I've tried other text editors. I decided one day to have a go at installing Sublime Text 2 because that's what all the cool kids seem to be using. Yeah. Um, so I installed it and uh, couldn't figure out how to use it. And five <laughs> minutes later, I'd uninstalled it. I couldn't even find out how to open a file. <laughs> was... <laughs> massively complicated. It was so hard. <laughs> I thought this is good. This is supposed to be a text editor. It was horrible. See, I, I, I espresso sounds very cool. I have to, I, I'll have to check that out actually. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big sublime user. Not, I, but not for web things. Um, for, you know, writing processing code and stuff like that. And I, I love it. Um, cause it, it integrates with processing really well. So, um, I tell you what, the other day, I, I've built a Node.js thing. I was quite proud of myself. Wow, that sounds incredible. I know. Well, I, it's for a job that's, uh, up and coming and I've wanted to just get a, a bit of a head start. I had to do like authentication, uh, OAuth 2 and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, no, we're going to do this in Node. Let's do this. And, uh, yeah, quite kind of got into it. It was kind of cool. I could see why people, um, once I figured out how the hell to make it work, um, it's, it's, it's pretty nice. Do you love doing this? I, I love doing things I don't know how to do. I don't want to do things that I, I know how to do. 
I get a lot more enjoyment out of, right, I have no idea how to do this. And, and a week, you know, five days later, I've, I've like built something with it. I find that really, I, I really love that process. Yeah, sometimes, and in certain areas, um, yeah. I often get frustrated and I get angry with myself if I can't figure it out. Like, for example, the whole sublime text thing. I yeah. mean, I just felt frustrated and I did a bit of Googling around it. So, no, you need this plugin and this theme mm. and this whatever. And I'm like, oh, good. Can't it just work? Um, and I, I get a little bit frustrated with when I don't know how to do something. I'm, I'm not terribly good at stretching myself in certain areas. Right, but you must have done that. At, you know, at some point, you you didn't know how to do CSS, you didn't know how to do HTML, you didn't know how to write a book, or no, no. Yeah. And I think that I've I've I, I was better bef- I was better in the past. You know, I'm not quite right. as good as it now, and I think it's because I'm, uh, my interests have changed. To be honest, right, and I think yeah. if I am very into something, then I will. You know, I'll go at it and I'll get obsessive over it, and you know, mm-hmm. talk about now else. Yeah. So, you know, yes, when, when those, when those things happen, then yeah, then I'll give it like a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because it's, you know, if you haven't done something for it, if you do something and then three months later, you've, you run, well, you do something else. And then three months later, you have to go back to this thing. You think, how did I do this again? Because yeah. so many of these technologies as well have all these, you know, dependencies and those kind of things. And you're like, and I know there's all these package managers and uh, which which helps but you, you have to try and remember how the hell did i do this you know it's uh i think that's that's that can be a little frustrating and a little bit scary i used I, to be good in fact i'm really glad that css was was quite so simple and html mm. is it's obviously quite simple yeah. because it meant that i could literally pick things apart and learn them 10 years ago or more yeah uh, I would find it incredibly hard to do that now. And I do worry that, and I don't know if everybody's different, but I do worry that people like me, or I think that like me, um, people that are, you know, designery, maybe not technical, you know, maybe, mm. I don't know, maybe a plumber. Here we yeah. Go. yeah, maybe a plumber, somebody that wants to retrain, um, yeah. and make web things. I mm. think that the barrier to entry when I started was incredibly low. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But hence the reason why I'm, I'm sat here doing it. <laughs> it had to be. Yeah, same here. <laughs> but now, maybe it's an amount of assumed knowledge, or maybe things are actually more complicated. But you know, even CSS is wildly more complicated than it used to be. Yeah. And Flexbox has some, you know, that's the new layout coolness. Has some really tricky concepts to try to explain and i know because you know i've been teaching it at workshops yeah um and you've got lots of other things css animations or lots of other stuff which is you know it's really quite complicated you know when i started the hardest thing that you had to do was like an nth child pseudo selector yeah yeah that was the hardest thing yeah um and of course that's not that's just css on its own now you know people you rarely find a a tutorial that's just CSS. Most of it's now SAS. Yeah, yeah. So you've got this extra layer of abstraction on top of it. And I do worry that a plumber coming into the industry hmm. is going to look at it and go, wow, this is a lot harder than, you know, than I thought it would be. Yeah, I think that was, you know, always the appeal of HTML and CSS was, was the simplicity of it. I, th- I think that's why HTML is, is such an amazing thing i know and jeremy keith did that 
the talk about, you know, the, the long now and how HTML is, he thinks is, is the format of the long now. Uh, cause it's just text. I'm, I, I actually love text files. I think text files, I, I just love a good text file, me. Give me flog it, text files, I'm sorted. That's, that's my dream day. Um, but I, I love, <laughs> love things like markdown as well. Um, I just love the simplicity of those things that they, they don't rely on other technologies. Text file is a text file and, We'll always be able to read them and HTML's HTML. And as long as we've got browsers that can interpret HTML, then it will just work. Um, I guess when you start to have all these layers of abstraction, uh, it does start to complicate things. I can see why they're there. I can see that they're really, you know, can speed productivity up and are really helpful. And the stuff I learned with Node, uh, the other week, you know, like I've thought this is, this is pretty cool, actually, uh, for doing so-called web apps and things. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm like you. I, I think there's a there's a danger that things go too complicated, and and it's and I, I do fear for people coming into the industry now. It's like having to learn SAS, mustache, handlebar. I don't know all these things. That I don't even know what they are. Um, but maybe we're just getting old. I don't no, know. Well, I think there's an element of that. Um, yeah. But, you know, now recently I did had to sit down and I enjoy doing the workshops. Actually, I, I like doing the workshop materials because it forces me to learn something new. Mm. And yeah, I've been keeping an eye on Flexbox and, you know, some of these other kind of new layout modules for, for ages. Mm. And you might use a bit of it here and there, but to actually have to sort of construct a narrative where you're teaching somebody the concepts from start to finish and then designing the examples that sort of illustrate that. Uh, that really teaches me as well. I learn a lot. You know, you think, oh, I could use that for a thing. And yeah, I like that yeah. process. I yeah, do like that yeah. process. Yeah, I love that as well. Yeah, I did, the other day, one of my clients at the minute, I'm working on some data visualization stuff. And I love, I love this kind of stuff where it, there was a, there was lots of different data sets and I'm actually 3D printing them and creating a piece of software that, um, creates 3d printed models of their data sets and um but there's a lot of disparity between the data sets so a number can range from one to fifty thousand um so how do you actually show that as a 3d printed model you know one might go up to the ceiling you know who's so high and another one was tiny and so i started to research i thought well this there has to be methodologies to um, distribute this data in a uniform way. And sure enough, after some research, there is. Um, there's a thing called a box cox di- distribution. Haha, <laughs> very carry on. Um, and, and, you know, I thought, and this whole world suddenly opened up to me of, of all this analysis stuff. And suddenly, you know, I plugged those things in and it, it sorted out this problem I was having. And so now I know about that kind of stuff where before I didn't know about it. And it was all because I had, I had this problem to fix. But I think it was also because I, I chose to go deeper into the subjects. Um, and that's, and I was like, I was really quite proud of myself, even though I had not invented this algorithm. But it was like, I found a bit more out there and it's actually really useful. Yeah. No, it does um, feel good when you, know. you manage to, when you manage to fix something. 
Yeah, yeah. And you know, I love, but I love that process of going deep into uh, into a subject. Um, and I think oftentimes we can we can just skirt around things, and because th- we're 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 doing stuff too quick, we don't get time to really delve deeper. So, well, that's that's one thing um, that I'm hoping to spend some time between, let's say, now and Christmas, because you know, business is going to start slowing down a little bit. Mm. Um, but I think, right, perfect opportunity, not only to work on some of our own stuff, but yeah. also let's just spend a week learning something new. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and having the time to do that is going to be hopefully really nice. I love stuff like that. We, we've gone a long way away from espresso. So I should finish it off, really. People have, oh, forgotten, right. <laughs> people have forgotten that we were halfway through a sponsor read. <laughs> I thought we'd done that. Before. No, 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 yeah. we haven't finished it Crack off. Crack on. No, espresso is available. It's still available. It's not gone out of business since we started the sponsor read. <laughs> it's not been deprecated. There's not another version that's come out since we started this 45 <laughs> minutes ago. You can get yours at unfinished.bz slash espresso, and it's only 75 of those American dollars. But listeners of the show, they can get a fantastic 10% discount by using the coupon code UNFINISHED. And that was Espresso. I think next time I'll stay silent while you do the sponsorship <laughs> bit. It's probably the best idea. No, it's lovely. So all of this thinking about free time and giving things away for free hmm. got me thinking about this thing that I'm calling a goodwill budget. And I'll tell you what, how it came about, because we were working on a smaller kind of filler project yeah, a few weeks ago. And it was a you know, lovely product, lovely people, but it was a lower than average budget, but we really wanted to do it. Um, and I thought that we could do a really good job and it would demonstrate that you don't have to spend a lot of money to get, you know, a nice quality result. Mm. You know, and I knew that we'd do a lovely job, even though they got less to spend than we'd normally like. But uh, do you know what happens? A, the low budget or a lower budget seems to be inverse proportion to like people's expectations. Have you ever found that? Yeah, <laughs> a lot. Yeah. The less that they've got to spend, somehow magically they think that they get more, which is, I've not quite figured out why that is yet. Well, I think it's because, you know, when you're paying money for something, it they still don't, they don't think, oh, uh, yeah, we expect it to be a little bit shit or a little bit not as good as if it was, you know, a really amazing budget. There is, there is no difference to them that, you know, good is good. So if they're paying you money, they expect it to be as good as the thing you built for this, this other thing that paid a lot of money. I don't, you know, that, that's my experience of, of doing stuff like that. They still want it to be look amazing and they've paid you 50 quid. Well, I really, really wanted this thing to look great. And I was wanting it to look great as much for our benefit as for the client's benefit, to be honest. Because I thought, mm-hmm. you know, actually, this could be a really nice portfolio piece. The subject matter was nice. And, you know, sometimes the subject matter that we get to work with isn't always as inspiring. And this this was really good. Um, but what happened through the through the project was that, you know, they changed their minds quite a lot. Um, and we were trying to refine something and refine it. And um, I think our expectations or our idea as to what something should look like might have differed from theirs a little bit. And that's not to say that one was right and the other was wrong. But when you're paying less, you kind of get what you're given sometimes. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and it got to a certain stage. I don't want to sound like a right grumpy old <laughs> But <laughs> it got to a certain point, and I started to almost resent it in a way. And I almost was thinking, How, you know, you've, you've got your money's worth here. Um, yeah. And I started to kind of realise that my goodwill had expired. The budget had gone. The budget had gone. Well. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I was less willing to give them more free time. Um, even though, you know, and, and I actually thought that the thing was fantastic and, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't necessarily think that it needed changing. But the big thing, even if it did, the big thing was that, you know, I thought, okay, well, yeah, we, we've, we've done what we set out to do. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think that they necessarily thought that they were taking advantage in any kind of, uh, you know, bad way. No. They weren't no. being cynical about it. But I realized that with this particular job anyway, as much as there being, as well as there being a, a money budget for the job, there was also a goodwill budget that went alongside it. Mm. And that they'd used up their goodwill budget halfway through. And I thought, well, is this, is this the same with every project? Does it really matter what size of project you're working on? Is there always a, an amount of goodwill that goes along with it? Um, and can you use that up? And this, this kind of notion of a goodwill budget came in. And I was talking to, actually talking about this to a client over lunch the other day. Um, and we were talking about ways in which we could potentially stop that thing from happening. Cause what happens in the end is that the client starts to feel as if they can't keep asking you. Cause if they have a conscience, right? They'll realize, hang on a minute. I've asked enough. Some people don't have a conscience and they just keep asking. Yeah. Um, but if they do have a conscience, they'll think, do you know what? No, I, I, I feel bad about asking yet another thing. And sometimes people will say that. They'll say, yeah, I hate to ask, but mm. and that's a really bad position. You don't want a client to be in that situation because you want them to be like really open with you. And you want them to say, I just, I've got this great idea and I just really want to do it. So you don't want the client to, to feel as if they can't ask. Um, and at the same time, you don't want the, you know, us, the designer or developer or whatever to feel as if the, you know, the asking is resented in some way. Cause that's, that's just not good for the relationship. Yeah. Um, and with this particular little project, we came out of it at the end with a really lovely little job. Um, but there was, I think there was a feeling on both sides, perhaps that, you know, we hadn't ended it quite on the high. Yeah. That we would yeah. have liked to have done. And that, that, I regret that. Um, and thinking about now how we could possibly make sure that that kind of thing doesn't happen again. You know, how can you manage people's expectations better or, um, just make people aware that there is this kind of goodwill budget alongside everything else? Yeah. You probably need it, um, written in your, your contract thing. <laughs> you know, actually mentioned somewhere. It's a nice, it's a nice idea. The whole the goodwill budget thing. I guess it's um, it goes without saying, really. A lot of the time, it's uh, you know, I'm I'm lucky enough to the clients I work with. I tweeted the other day that 
I love it when clients are ex- are as excited or more excited by the work than me. I love that. Um, and the clients I'm working for right now are, are, are that, and they pay their invoices the same day. Amazing. But, um, so that's, you know, that's the icing on the cake. Um, but they're, they're genuinely excited about the work. So, but even then, um, you know, the, they'll get to a point where they're probably asking for a few things. And I think I, I can remember on uh, a comment on Basecamp and this thing I'm working on at the moment was like, but we've already, you know, they were asking a few, if they were being really, you know, picky or if they just could ask one more thing, they'd love it to do this, you know, so which, which I did, you know, cause it was like, oh yeah, it's no problem. And, you know, and, and the other thing as well is I think sometimes they're afraid to ask because um they feel that, oh, well, you're the designer and you're doing, you know, you know what you're doing. But the point is, it's, it's, a, it's a combination of a client and the, and the designer um, because they know their business and they will have insight about their business or, you know, they know that the customer will like to see this thing do this or, you know, those kind of things. And, and oftentimes the questions that I get asked, go, can it do this, is born out of that kind of kind of insight and I go oh yeah I mean that's that's a really great idea you know so and I, and I tell them that so it's it's about that relationship and managing that relationship and, and obviously managing expectations but it can be I think it depends on the personality that it's you know people are people and you can get people who do take the piss whether they're a client or whatever they probably take the piss in the rest of their life as well um you know so I think if you've got people that are reasonable, then everything's great. Or maybe people don't understand sometimes what goes into the work that we're doing or mm. what they're asking yeah. for. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I got up this morning and before I went to the gym, I opened email and there was, you know, there's an email from a customer who couldn't remember how to do something in the CMS and could I just change a word or two for him? You know, mm. fine. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's using my goodwill budget right now or his goodwill budget. Um, but he's a long way from me turning around and saying, just learn how to use a CMS, you fool. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, how many times he asks before I get to that point? I don't know, but I suppose it's for me at some point during it to say, don't forget that, you know, you can use a yeah. CMS and change these things yourself. I think I suppose it's just about being honest and communicating yeah i think i think that's all it is you know and he would probably go oh right i didn't realize you know or i'd forgotten and i I never like to email you all the time so that works for me as well you know so um yeah i think it's like anything you can get clients who are totally painful uh and you can get clients who are you know just just great and lovely to and you and you actually just want to make better work for them as well that's the thing well i never like to not do good work mm. and i never like people to finish a project and not feel really really happy with what they've got mm. yeah um, it disappoints me sometimes when these things happen um, yeah and i do blame myself often you know i think oh god you should just have said something yeah yeah yeah, interesting. This whole idea of a goodwill budget, I need to keep thinking. Um, yeah. I'm not sure whether or not a contract is exactly the place to put that kind of concept. <laughs> yeah. 
it's a bit, it's sort of an ambi- it's like a gentleman's agreement, isn't it? It sort of is, uh, yeah. It's a kind of that kind of thing, um, yeah. But um, I, I like the idea of maybe bringing it up in conversation as like, oh, you're really near you're near the end of your goodwill budget here, and they'd probably laugh and go, oh, right, okay, fair enough. But and then you've got a name for it. That's quite nice. Actually, that's really not a bad idea because you could yeah. actually say that, and then they realise yeah. that the next time they ask, they're likely yeah. to, you know, they get a bill for it. Yeah, where are we on the goodwill budget? They might say, <laughs> it's like, oh, well, you know, it's never black and white. That's the thing with these things, is it? That's that's why. Like you said, you can't put that kind of stuff in a contract. You've just got to, each one is, uh, you've got to judge it on its merits at the time, I think. Yeah, and I'm usually pretty good at it. You know, I'm, I'm not one of these yeah. people that is usually afraid to bring things up with a client. Yeah. You know, I'm quite, you know, upfront with it. I'm going to develop these thoughts a little bit more. I can see a blog post coming on, Andy. Do you know, if I could find the bloody time to write, well, maybe I will yeah. do over the next couple of weeks, actually. Yeah. I'm hoping that with, uh, with the work just sort of slowing off before Christmas, I'm going to have all kinds of time to, to do this kind of stuff. Are you going to have um, a works do? Uh, we're having <laughs> a, what, with the four of us? Yeah. <laughs> um, that'll be interesting. No, what we're going to do is next Friday, the 28th, we are having a little bit of a North Wales web social. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of partly four weeks before Christmas and yeah. partly a week after my birthday. So we do this every sort of, you know, six or eight weeks, you know, we'll get together in a pub on a Friday night. Yeah. Uh, there won't be any party hats involved though. I won't be bringing along the crackers. No. I won't be getting off with the girl from accounts. Yeah. I, I basically, I'm, I'm going to get hammered on my Japanese whiskey and then just have sex with myself on the maker bot. So yeah, which is the equivalent of having sex with a girl from accounts. Yamazaki. <laughs> yeah. Yamazaki, yeah. Is that her name? Yeah, <laughs> that's her name. <laughs> Actually, we probably shouldn't mention all that because that, that now sounds, yeah, dodgy. But, uh, yeah, so when, you, when you're just one person on your own, it's a bit hard to have a, a kind of Christmas do. Well, that's very sad, actually. No, well, listen, I, I've been to that many Christmas parties. I'm kind of, I've done them. Did you do Christmas parties at Magnetic North? Oh, yeah. Were they legendary? Um, there was never anything um, too untoward. I, f- I find, you know, because everyone was very, uh, was pretty sensible. I mean, there was, you know, lots of drinking and stuff, but there was never any. I think I think the kind of like legendary Christmas do's, I imagine it happen at call centres, places like that, because, you know, you're in, you're in your booth all day. And then once a year, you go mental. Um, so I've heard stories from my brother-in-law, who doesn't work in a call centre, but he works in a big um, place uh, with lots of people. And, uh, yeah, that can get quite messy. He doesn't repair uh, photocopiers, does he? No, he, do- <laughs> he doesn't. Because that could get quite messy. <laughs> well, no, actually, he used to do that many, many years ago in a, in a different life. And yeah, I think people have been injured on photocopies, haven't they? When they're photocopying, not the not the you know yearly annual report, they're photocopying body parts. <laughs> I've, 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 apparently, I've heard stories. Um, I don't think it's an urban myth where you know people sit on them and the glass breaks, and they end up uh, in casualty with glass shards up their bottom. Yeah. Great Christmas do. <laughs> I was going to say that didn't happen at the Christmas. Day. It's not going to happen at our Christmas do. 
No. Well, there you go. We Do you have, have a photocopier? No, we don't have a photocopier. You see, this is it. A lot of places now probably, well, I guess, you know, big places have photocopiers, but, uh, yeah, people like me and you don't have a photocopier, so those kind of shenanigans can't go on, can they? Well, I might take one of those, I don't know, I don't even know what they are. What are those things where you, like, you blow in them, there's a plastic whistle thing, and then there's a bit of paper, like a paper bag. What do you call them? I don't know. No one knows, I don't think anyone knows what they are called. You know, those who go, yeah, those things. Yeah. <laughs> Do they not have a name? No, I don't know what the name is. Do you know what the name no, is? No, I've never known what no, the name is. Exactly. They're like, you know, a kazoo at one end and a papery twirly thing on the other. Yeah. There must be a name, because if you're a wholesaler or a retailer, you want to buy them, what do you ask for? I want people to write in <laughs> with the right answer. Unless when they order them, to they this go question. Uh, can I have some of those um, papery twirly things what with the, the kazoo ones, on the, the ones end? That go, yeah. <laughs> those. There must be a name. Yeah. Now, if I can find them because I won't know what to ask for, then I might take some of them along next Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I think that's going to be the extent of the Christmas festivities, to be honest. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, and that we will be sharing the usual pub venue with, I assume, office party spillovers. Oh, yeah. Because I think that those start in around mid-November. Because it's really hard to get into places for, like, a Christmas do. I think you have to book up in January for September. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, they, they do tend to book up quite quickly, don't they? Yeah, I've been to some of those ones where there's actually other, other works do's. It's like a mass kind of, you know, Walmart level, you know, Christmas do-a-thon. And, uh, yeah, there's like, you know, 20 companies in there. They can be a bit interesting. But it is a different world. It's a bit like the hen and stag party at an airport world. You can't have a stag do now, can you? You've got to go away. You got, if you're having a hen party, you've got to go away. Um, you know, in our day, you used to, you went out for the night. Uh, if that, um, but now it's like you've got to have like three days in Prague or somewhere or, you know, Magaluf. Everything's an event now, Andy. Everything's an event. We should wrap it up. <laughs> Absolutely. Before we start going up moaning again. Well, you said in our day. That was enough for me. Yeah, no, that was enough. It, I know, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still trembling at the thought of what birthday it was. What, but how do you mean? Well, I'm 49. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 40, 48 this year, I was. So, yeah. It's, yes. It's the, uh, Sorry. it's the 5 0 coming up. And, and are you thinking about 5 0? No, do you know what? No, no. The, it's, it's motivating, actually. Mm. Um, because, you know, I've been doing a lot of keeping fit and lifting weights and trying to get yeah. a little bit healthier. And actually, no, I don't want to be fat and 50. In fact, you know. That was my motivation. Totally the same. 50 is the new 30 in my book. Mm. Yeah. I'm with you on that. So, people can follow you on Twitter. You are at Brendan Dawes. I am. And me at Malarkey to ask questions and suggest topics. You can message this show on Twitter at UnfinishedBZ or email me at hehas at unfinished.bz. Thanks again to our sponsors this week. They were the Dot York Conference and Mac Rabbit's Espresso. You can support our show by supporting them. And then what I do is I cut into Mess Club 7. <laughs> 
I'm thinking bring it all back to you. <laughs> Don't stop falling in love. Bring it Guilty, y'all. I think so. Right. How do I even remember that? Bring it all back to you, yeah. Alex had an Escob 7 album. It's a good job this isn't on the podcast. He'd go mental if I mentioned that on the radio. I am patient. I've let the world see what